I know, same for you. God damn. Where have you been? Uh home. <laughs> <laughs> it's home recently, man. Yeah. When was your last tour? Um shit. February. Yeah, in February. Oh, sick. Yeah, I was supposed to go back end of Feb early March, but then that was the first set of cancellations, so What have you been doing in the meantime? Um not much. Been doing yeah. the diamond workout sessions. No, probably not as much as I should. Um, I've been going to the the pro wrestling academy to like clean up and stuff, and then like get some workouts in while I'm there. But I've been like a little bit unwell the last couple of weeks. Had had a bit of a stomach bug for a little bit, and then yeah. uh, had some like not ear infections, but I get like blocked ears, so I've got to like treat that and shit. So that kind of just puts me into like a grumpy mood, and then I just do nothing. So uh, yeah, I'm kind of just back active again now. You can tell you're a nerd when you get ear infections. That's uh, shit, man. Like <laughs> the most. The most nerdy conversation to have is to tell people I have small ear canals and it affects me differently to how it affects other people. You get like sleep apnea or something. Uh, like I'll, I'll go to sleep and I sleep on my side and then I'll wake up and I basically am deaf in one ear because like it's like an earwax buildup. It's yeah. kind of gross, but like... Oh, dude, I think you're speaking to the choir right here. Yeah. So I've got to use like drops and then go to the doctor and then get it flushed out or sometimes the drops just like dissipates it on its own, but... Like last night I had a, a steaming bowl of water with some uh, Vicks vapor rub in it and I was just holding it, uh, holding my ear over the, the bowl with a towel on my head. It looked uh, like the biggest dickhead ever, but you know. You weren't lying. Hmm? <laughs> You're not lying about the ear infection, man. No, 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 no. It's it's good now, but um, I've got I got to battle the other ear. So. You get to it once? Uh, the left isn't so bad, but I could probably clean it up. So Your, your ears are blocked. Preventative, yeah. Yeah, I get that sometimes though, but like how good's that feeling when you go to the GP and it just it's just like it all flushes out, you're like, Oh, okay. Oh, uh, it's, it's instantly it's like, Oh, this is what hearing should be like. Yeah. <laughs> it's been living life in the twilight zone. Shit, man. With like zero noise. It's like walking on the street now where there's no noise. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
But like now you would hear everything. So you're like, oh, there is someone 40 meters away. I can hear their footsteps because yeah. my hearing is now of like a superhero. There's a, there's a burnout in like five suburbs across. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, one of my WOG friends that I grew up with in high school has that as like a spidey sense. He's like, burnout happening. And then he just like runs across <laughs> until he finds where it is. My, uh, my Rexy senses are tingling. <laughs> That's what no one gets about living in Sydney. Like, you'd probably try and tell your Japan friends that. You're like, yeah, if you, you do burnouts here, they're like, nah, man, we drift. Yep. <laughs> We're above that. I basically, like, my first time going over there, I was like, oh, am I going to just live out Tokyo Drift? Am I going to live this out? Because that's what I wanted to do. And then it wasn't anything like that at all. But do you like cars, though? Like, no, no. Yeah, me neither. Like, I'm fascinated with that movie. Yeah. I mean, like, I like, I like. I guess the first couple of Fast and Furious and then when Tokyo Drift came out, that was pretty big for me when I was growing up just because, yeah. like, everyone was into it. And yeah. I, I played the occasional, like, Gran Turismo and Need for Speed, but I definitely wasn't as into it as, like, a lot of my friends were. Yeah, it sounds like me as well. I don't think I'm ever into cars. And I was, like, massively into Tokyo Drift. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go live in Japan. Japan's now my life. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Especially probably, like, Pokemon and, and Dragon Ball for us when we were growing up. Yeah, well, the anime side of it would have been like the the stuff that we really wanted to investigate a lot more because we knew it was Japanese. But um, yeah, I just remember like a whole group of people from high school constantly buying like the car magazines. Yeah. And I thought that was the dorkiest thing out. But these were like the macho guys. So I was like, how is this? They're making fun of me for buying wrestling magazines and I'm making fun of them for buying car magazines. I think we just negate each other and we're all dorks at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, like different types of dogs. Yeah. That was like me. I was like exactly the same boat, but I, was, I think I had like Pokemon cards still and like, yeah, I brought my Game Boy to school still. Oh, yeah, man, I was, I was the same. I also got into like really obscure card games. Like I would, uh, I would have the Dragon Ball Z trading cards and like the Digimon trading cards. I had the Digimon. I didn't have the Dragon Ball one. Oh, dude, the Dragon Ball one was sick because each character would have like – in the initial set, they would have like four cards and it would yeah. represent their, them leveling up. So it was like, it was like really cool, but obviously I was one of the only people to have them. So I couldn't actually play. I just had to collect them. Really? Yeah. Cause like no, maybe, um, crazy bones in primary school. Oh dude. Crazy bones. Holy shit. Should be a crazy bone tournament. Uh, yeah, that'd be rad. I mean, that's kind of social distancing in a way. I think I had like a, they, they sold buckets for them that you could keep your crazy bones in. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely had one of those. I remember I was, a, I was one of those, like, idiot kids at school. I remember we used to buy the melted ones, and I just thought they were, like, rare. <laughs> 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 so I remember I got duped so many times. I was like, yeah, man, this eggy is so rare. And I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah, all right, I'm into that. That's cool. And they're like, yeah, it's just, it's just this weird form, like, you know, uh, it flicks better. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll buy that. And I trade my rare ones for that one. Yeah. I just fucking cigarette life. It's kind of like the same as the uh, the Pokemon cards, right? Like someone would have like the entire card from front to back would be holographic. So you'd be like, oh, fuck, this must be like super, super rare. And it turns yeah. out it's just fake. Yeah, those fake ones from like um, those like low budget supermarkets. Yeah. Or like the um, the outdoor markets that would be on every like Sunday in your local area. Yeah, we can buy the Pokemon toys, but they're just like off-colored. They're like, oh, this is rare as well. Yep. Oh, a blue Pikachu. It must be from a new <laughs> series I haven't seen yet. 
Oh man, this is bringing back so many years of bullying from primary school. Oh yep, don't worry. Uh, I've I, I think I've blocked out that part of it and uh, all yeah. the fun stuff that even if it was just me into it, uh, I, yeah. I just remember that. I just like while I was talking to you now, I just Google search like Dragon Ball cards, and there's a Goku the Legendary um, limited foil for like thirty six grand on eBay. What? That sounds like it's more than the Charizards are worth, like the expensive ones. Well, probably because they they were less common. Like I don't think people yeah. got into that trading card game as much. So it wasn't circulated. Yeah, I wonder if I still have mine somewhere. I think my mum said that she still has my Pokemon cards. You know what's happened to me though? I remember when I like I got into Pokemon cards. I collected them. I had a lot of them. There were still some I didn't have. But like I remember, I separated my holographics. Yep. And then I brought it. Like, I brought my friends over one day, and then I just left my cards out. And then I came back later that day and all my holographics were gone. So all I was here, like, left with were these dingy fucking Pokemon cards that I couldn't really be hyped about because all my holos were gone. Fuck. I, was, I think I stopped collecting that day. Yep. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking ruined me. Hi, I'm Jesse's mum. This is my weekly movie. This is my mom. You like the show, right, mom? Your mom is on. One mother, please. I'm so Get to know my mom. You're gonna find out she is a pretty cool lady. Mom, I'm so new here. Please do not do this to me. I was just thinking you could talk to me. If that's all right. Today I watched Detective Pikachu. God, I went to sleep. It was so boring. Had to um find out where this pipe was going after the poison gas, the blue gas, the purple gas. The smoke, purple smoke, and it turned the good Pokemons into baddies, made them neurotic. <laughs> it was terrible. I switched it off and I thought, I can't put this back on to watch any more of it. My rating for Detective Pikachu, Pikachu is two. Two out of ten. Were you ever into the Digimon, like, Tamagotchis? Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that was my initial... Uh, Digimon phase, I think, because it was like people had Tamagotchis in primary school and then it was the Digimon ones because that looked different because they were rectangle. And then yeah. the fact that you could battle them, so like you press them up against each other and battle them. But I was horrible at it. Hey, like, yeah, me too. All my friends would know the inside cheats to getting like Teddy Mon or like the really cool strong ones and stuff. And I just ended up yeah, with I ended up with the shit Mon every time. <laughs> yeah, the fucking Pumon stuff. Numamon or whatever it was called. Yeah, was it, I didn't know there were actually cheats. The only cheats I knew was like when you could pull the tab inside out of the battery. Like when you you make that like makeshift tab. Oh, yeah, yeah. Between the batteries. Yeah, I, well, I, I remember so distinctly like some friends had like if you feed it at this time or this many times and press up, up or like BBAA kind of thing. They had some sort of combinations that they had worked out that would evolve you to some sort of Digimon or something. Whether it was true or not, I don't know. But like I think it's just all bullshit. <laughs> I mean whatever whatever it was they were doing it worked because like all my friends had the stronger ones so I'd constantly just get whooped in battle. They got they, they released them again recently. The new the new Digimon or like the old Digimon. I've seen I've seen it behind the counter at JB Hi Fi recently. I think really once once I uh you know once we're past this this point of social distancing and everything that's going on. And, you know, it makes sense to spend money on things you don't need. Uh, yeah, that might yeah. be one of my initial purchases. I feel like I, I've always wanted one again, but I, I think I stopped playing when they started bringing out the, um, like the walkie talkie looking Digimon. Do you remember that one? Dude, I had it. I had all of them. Hey, you had one? yeah. Oh, cause I, I really got into the series. Cause like, again, yeah. it was like, do you remember Metabots? 
a little bit. Yeah, so that was enough. That was like it was kind of like a Pokemon Digimon kind of anime, but it was like you had a robot, um, and then if you won in battle, like the, the the series anyway, when the guy won in battle, you get to choose a piece of the opposing robot to then have in your inventory, and then you could attach it to your robot. So you could have like oh, an arm yeah. from this guy, a leg from this guy, a head from this guy, and it would change like how that robot fought. Um, I remember I played the Game Boy game of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that I had like a, a web browser game that I used to play of it and it was like really sick. But like I was always into the obscure stuff. So like Digimon, I was all in. Me and uh, me and Unsocial Jordan bond over it um, a fair yeah. bit. He actually got me for my birthday, he got me the whole newest series on Blu-ray. What of Digimon? Yeah, they released like a – it's like the after – so it's the original uh, kids – but it's like yeah. post all the seasons that originally came out. So it's like what happened to them afterwards. Oh, no way. Yeah, so I've actually got to watch it. I've, I've got so many Blu-rays that I've never watched just because I was like, Blu-rays? Who watches Blu-rays? It's all about streaming yeah. services. Yeah, it's, it's like the original kids, Ty and all those guys. Uh, okay. Yeah. Man, I remember being into the, um, Digibond so hard when I was a kid. And I think it was like no one else into it. But I thought I always thought that they had much better looking monsters than Pokemon did, at least the first series. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think, and, and it might have just been because Pokemon was so overdone uh, as a kid, like everyone was into it, so you saw them frequently. But then yeah. when Digimon was around, it was just like, even if it wasn't that they looked better, it was just that they were different. Yeah, they, they looked like it was obviously by the same people though, in a way. Yeah, very similar styles, I guess. That's the stuff about Pokemon I can't really get into these days. Like, I think I've got I've got Shield, Pokemon Shield, yeah, and it's rad. But I can't get into some of the new newer Pokemon's, where the ones where that they look like Gundam Wing and stuff. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like ones that are like super hu- uh, humanoid. Yeah, like the ones like the monsters. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. Like, I have like the attachment to like the first two series of Pokemon, yeah. like uh, yeah. your, your red and blues, and then um what was it? Silver and gold that came out next. Yeah. So those were the ones that I played when they came out. And then after that, I didn't play a Pokemon until uh, sword and shield came out last year. So you got sword and shield as well. You playing Pokemon go as well, weren't you? Uh, I was, yeah. You and, you and Christy are like on top of that. I was, so I was playing it on my iPad, I think before, yes. before Pokemon sword came out. What's, um, what's Pokemon go like in Japan? Pokemon go. Um, yeah. Was that what it's called? No, yeah, oh, no. the the phone one? Yeah, the yeah, phone. yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant gold. Um, yeah, Go's cool, man. I remember... So I, don't, I haven't played it for ages just because as as everything, it's a fad. And then I get out of it. Um, yeah, but I remember I when I was in Osaka last, um, we always stay sort of in the same strip of Osaka for the hotel. So the hotels might change, but they're like the same street. And I was walking to uh, one of the coffee shops that I go to that's like a few blocks away. And there was like meetup groups of people playing Pokemon Go together, um, like doing raids at the gyms and stuff like that. So like it would just be like a group of these Japanese dudes, um, like maybe six or eight of them. And then I would just like go awkwardly stand close enough to them that I could join in on what they were doing, but not close enough that they realized what I was doing. How awkward is joining a raid, though? It's like, hey, I'm not going to talk to you. I mean, in Japan, it's probably okay because, like, I don't speak the language and, like, they don't all speak English, so it's fine. I can get away with it because they're just going to, like, 
like almost turn their shoulder to me. But like over here, it's I've not experienced it. Uh, I haven't experienced it in any English speaking countries, but it would definitely be kind of strange. Do you get like, have you been spotted on the street yet in Japan? Um, I'm just trying to like in, in the main part of Tokyo that we stay because it's right by the Tokyo Dome and Corican Hall. Uh, it's very common because there are fans that will float around during the earlier part of the day. Cause the new Japan store is not far from there and stuff like that. So like definitely that happens, but it's not like that's kind of not out of the norm. Uh, there have been like country towns or smaller towns that we've been to where I think I'm getting spotted, but it's mostly Osprey getting spotted because I'm with him. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. They're like, Oh, Osprey, Osprey. Oh, photo, photo. Oh, okay. And then they leave and I go, hmm, fuck me then. <laughs> But it's it's not a bad thing. I like I mean it's cool, but at the same time, like I appreciate my privacy during like if we're just walking to the gym or we're just going to get lunch and stuff like that. Like I kind of don't want to be swarmed by people because you know, in my head I'm going, okay, get my stuff together, go to the gym, go work out. So I'm in this mindset. So I'm not I'm not in like the performing mindset. So when people come in and disturb me on that, it's like, oh fuck. But I like I wonder what what's it what's it like with like the Japanese fans? Um I mean, like, if you compare it to Western culture and Western fans, that's probably the best thing I could do because I've had a little bit of experience with American fans and some in the UK, mostly in Australia. But the Japanese fans, like, they can... It's kind of on on both hands, right? Like, on one hand, they can be super respectful, which most of them are. So they'll they'll come up, they'll say hello if they want to take a photo, but we're like rushing to get to the next place and we say, no, they respect that. Like they don't get like really antsy about it. Um, but on the other hand, there are some that like really intrude on our privacy. Hey, and it's, I don't know if it's because of the language barrier, but like they'll just constantly like walk behind you for ages and ages until you eventually stop. And you've noticed them thinking, okay, they'll, they'll give up after a few blocks. And it's like, oh no, we're a, kilo- we're a kilometer away or two kilometers away from where we started. And they're still behind me. And then you stop at a set of lights and now they're like tapping you on the shoulder. Oh no, they're in my hotel. Dude, shit like that happens. Hey, like uh, (laughs) there have been times where we've been, Tokyo Dome Hotel is the main one. Um, They all know we stay there and uh, we'll probably come from Corican and get on at the second or third floor and then take our elevator up to our rooms. And then there'll be someone in, in the elevator and they'll kind of be like, oh, I love it, I love this. And then you're like, okay, they know who I am. You get off at your floor and you realize that they're behind you and you go, okay. And then they tap you on the shoulder and they're like asking for a photo or something. And they're like, dude, like, are you staying here? Are you on this floor? And they're like, no. And you're like, get the fuck out. <laughs> like, But like, they, they like getting wrestling moves done to them though. I've seen all the videos of like, of like Farley and that just chopping them. Yeah, I mean, some of them, some of them are nuts, dude. I think that's just Japanese culture, though. Like, if you look at all the the game shows that they have over there, the game shows aren't like Western game shows where it's all about challenging and stuff like that. It's just like people fit through this hole in the wall. Oh, he got fucked up. How funny! Yeah, <laughs> but like half half the TV shows don't even make YouTube in that, so they're a lot grosser yeah. than that. I've seen the ones that pop up and stuff of just like super. They're basically porn. Yeah, I'm not into that. I don't think anyone really is, but I think there's just like this weird ten, group of 10 people in Japan that are into it. Oh, it's probably more than 10 people. I want to go on a Japanese show. Not not those ones, though. I think it'd be rad. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be like, weird. Human Tetris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hole in the Wall or like, um, do you remember Takeshi's Castle? Man, I think that's what like really helped me get into Japan culture. Yeah, I mean, like I didn't... <laughs> the, the dub-overs, the English dub-overs were kind of like... 
tongue in cheek yeah. shocking, but um, the actual like game itself was always pretty interesting. I remember they tried to emulate some of that stuff for like for Western culture, and it just lacks so yeah. bad. Um, they even did like human Tetris for the footy show. I think like what ten years? No, not even yeah, maybe about ten years ago, and it just yeah. Flopped. They well, they definitely did. Um, uh, hole in the wall over here for a little bit. I remember seeing it, but yeah. like it wasn't the same. I don't know. I think that's some of the stuff that in Japan culture or Japanese culture that just doesn't cross over yeah. very well. Like I was even watching. Um, I got the VPN and like logged into Japanese Netflix, and some of the stuff on there is crazy. And even like just the anime stuff is just even more involving. You know what I mean? It's more aggressive. It's more emotion and stuff. But like, I was watching Death Note as well, and just like even watching that just translate over to. Um, Western culture sucks. Yeah, I I hear from a lot of people that are because like I'm not as into anime now as I was like as a kid, like being into Dragon Ball and stuff yeah. like that. But like um, seeing people say like, oh, you got to watch it just with English subtitles in Japanese language because it, it translates better that way. So that makes sense. What are you um What are you watching? <laughs> you got a lot. Of, you got a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I'm just trying to think because I haven't really been. I kind of got through a whole bunch of series recently and then haven't really watched Netflix or anything for a while. I watched Lock and Key, which was pretty interesting. Um, yeah, it? I mean, I didn't mind it. It was cool because I didn't really know what to expect. And then when I started it, it was like different to what I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's about these this family. Um, uh, the mom and three kids move from uh, their previous location to like – the dad who just passed away, it's his uh, childhood home. And then all yeah. this weird shit starts happening and it like involves magic and all this sort of stuff. So it's pretty cool. Um, it's not like too wizardly because sometimes I'm like not about that. Like I can kind of yeah. deal with Harry Potter, but even then I'm not like a huge Harry Potter fan. So if it got like too much like that, I would be totally out. But it's... it's. Look, I could probably guess that you didn't play magic. No, no. That was the only trading card game that I was like, I don't get this one. I think I couldn't get that either. I remember there's heaps of people, even my friends were like so into it. And I just like, I don't get it. I was watching it. Yeah, I, I thought some of the it. cards looked cool. Cause like people would show me like yeah. some of the cards and I'm like, oh, that's cool. But like, it just seemed too involved. So like, as soon as I started hearing some of the rules, I'm like, oh, it's too much going on. I'm out. Just tell me to play a fire card and I can do 10 HP and then, all good, but yep. like everything else was just too much for me. What about Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, Yu-Gi-Oh, I was big into Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, yeah, really? well, I think because the thing I liked about it is it was an anime about trading cards, basically. Uh, so yeah, that's true. That was weird. That's kind of new, though. That was, that was yeah, different. and then um, I can't remember. I think I had – I did end up getting a Yu-Gi-Oh game for the PS1. And I was fucking yeah. nuts about it. I loved it so much. Like it was hard, but it was it was so yeah. cool because a I had the trading cards and I played the anime. But you know, playing the trading cards versus watching the anime, you're like, oh man! But the monsters don't come to life, really. So then when you get the PS1 game and they're like animating the the monsters, I was like, yeah. this is sick. Did any of your friends play it with you? Um, I think it. That's, is that why you got the PlayStation? Yeah, I think a couple people did play it, but then, like, because I, I think it kind of came out just as I started high school, maybe. It was kind of after primary school, for yeah. sure. So yeah, I think at was, that point, yeah. that's when people were like, oh, you play trading cards? That's lame. So uh, that's definitely why I got the PlayStation 1 game. Yeah. <laughs> I had that with my school as well, because, like, I, I, I think 
yeah, just because our age group, I just missed Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, but I was still into Star Wars. I was still into all that stuff. And like at my school, I think legitimately I was the only kid into Star Wars out of like a year of 300 kids. And um, I remember I just had to sit by myself in the library, just like catch up on wrestling and Star Wars. And I was like, yeah, no one's going to get this because everyone was into footy and everyone was into like cars and yeah, that yeah, that's, that's pretty much the same for me, man. Like, it, it was a, I was part of a small minority that liked the things that I liked. So, but then again, you're making a living off it. So yeah, I mean, I, I look back at that now and I think about some of the the people. Like, even some of my friends would give me shit back at the time for liking wrestling. Um, but like the the douchebags from from like high school that really you know narrowed in on my wrestling obsession and um, fandom. Yeah, I look at I look at it now and I'm like, well. Fuck you. Yeah, they're probably hanging off garbage trucks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, they they probably get paid more if they're hanging off garbage trucks. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) But I totally understand the example you're going for. They probably still have jobs. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know. I I think one of the I think one of the people that did make fun of me is in jail now. So that's kind of. Yeah, let's put it. Let's let's use that. No, no names (laughs) given, just in case he somehow listens to this podcast and comes after me. Can you imagine? I think, I think this podcast is actually pretty big. Fuck. Right Don't do that to me. Edit this out. <laughs> Too late. Five, four, three. Oh, I could sell anything. That's the attitude. You can sell anything. Exactly. Supply and demand, my friend. Welcome to Sales with Steve. You guessed it. Once again, I'm Steve from Sales. <laughs> Have you been walking around the office listening to fucking Derek from Sales talking about how much toilet paper he has? Actually, that well, may, guess what? That may have been- Instead of going and kicking Derek to the head, ever speak to me like that again. Why don't you go get him a present? It's called the Roto Wipe. Now this one comes in at $7.99. You basically attach it to the back of the loo, and what it does is it gives you that fresh brush feel right on your bum hole. Uh, just like one of those old school car washers. I think Derek would definitely, definitely enjoy that. Fresh and juicy, ready for the picking. So get on it while you can, legends. I'll have what she's having. Did you, like, when you were at school, did you have anyone that was into wrestling as well? Uh, there was, like, a few people, and, like, people would come and go uh, into, like, the wrestling fandom. And because it was in high school that I started, like, my own backyard wrestling group. Because um, that's 2005 is when I started backyard wrestling. Um, and it yeah. mostly mostly started from me going to Newcastle and doing the stuff with the HVWA guys, which was, like, you know, Matt Diamond and... Um, CJ Phoenix and some of the guys that are around now, because um, they had yep. they had been running since like pff, around 2003 ish, and I had seen their videos on the internet, so I was kind of a fan of theirs before joining them. How'd you see it on the internet? Like, um, I was part of like no, it was it was way before that. It was um through like different internet forums for wrestling. So, like, oh, I was a part of the original Ring of Honor message board and um, some other stuff. Right. And I think there was, like, a I, – I, I remember I saw their very early clips um, that Nick and CJ would post because it, ju- it would just be the two of them mostly on, like, the makeshift ring out in, like, the sticks of Cessnock where it originally, originally started. Yep. Um, that was – I can't remember how I – it might have been on the Ring of Honor message board that I that they put like single clips up, and I saw that. Then a couple of years went by, and I hadn't really heard heard of them, nor did I remember them for a while. And then I was a part of like an indie wrestling forum because that was my outlet. Because even though I had friends that were into wrestling locally, like from school and stuff, they were all just into WWE. 
Um, and I had already discovered yep. like TNA and Ring of Honor and all this stuff. So I wanted to like explore that more. And then on this indie forum, uh, Nick Fury posted a clip from HVWA and I freaked out because remembered that they were from New South Wales, they're from Australia. And I like, oh my God. And then found their website that they had all the music videos and clips and stuff. So that kind of like started that. Then I started like traveling up with my brother-in-law now, like we would drive to Newcastle and like go watch them. And then they invited me to be a part of it. And then when that all was all happening, that's when I was like, fuck this. I don't want to have to like catch a three hour train to Newcastle every time just to do a wrestle. Like surely I can do this at home with my friends at, also are kind of keen on it because like we'd always yeah. like just jump on the grass and kind of wrestle around but it was never it, would, it was on never serious right like it was just us you know we'd yeah. watch a pay-per-view and then be like yeah let's try it uh. um and then we let's flex each other off kind of kind of like we never got too rough initially but then like uh, a friend of mine his mum worked at um she worked at like a fantastic furniture warehouse so she could get like foam padding like really cheap or like off cuts and stuff like that so we started our first our first backyard wrestling company was actually a front yard wrestling company called front yard wrestling um nice but we it was cool because because we were like (laughs) on this hill um uh we were on this hill in this like street at the like so we're on how to explain it we're on this hill because the guy's house went upwards like his garden started down to the bottom of the street level, but then went up because his house was on like a, an elevated kind of level, but his house was at the bottom of the downhill street. Um, and it was one of the, it was like near okay. one of the main roads. So we would get people drive past while we'd be wrestling on like this foam piece that we would cover with a blue tarp. And then, uh, people would like start just coming to hang out and watch. And then, we started doing them on Friday nights or Friday afternoons after school. So then it, people from school would like come and hang out with us. And then that evolved into me um, going, I think I can build like most of a ring. And like we used to, in backyard wrestling, we used to have this thing where, that would be called ring bases, which would basically be the flooring of a ring, but no turnbuckles or ropes. Um, because for a lot of us, that would be, you know, impossible to buy steel and weld it and all that sort of shit. So I, yeah. I built, we moved, we moved from front yard wrestling. Uh, when was that front yard wrestling? We moved to my backyard, maybe 2006 or late 2005. And then we started, um, yeah. the Holdsworthy wrestling syndicate. Well, Which that was where I grew up. Room. That was my suburb. That suburb. Yeah, um, and we like majority sense. of us minus one of our dudes went to Holsworthy High, so like we were all from the same high school. Um, so how many people? Ah, uh, shit! Who do we have? Jamie Mitchell, Jared, Donnie, Mark, Warney, me, Tom. There was close to ten of us, like regulars. Um, but then, like yeah. you know, different things would happen. Like one of the dudes was a footy player at school and broke his leg in one of the games. And then of, of course I got upset because we had a card that weekend and I was like, Oh no, now I've got to change the card. I was so inconsiderate <laughs> for his broken leg. I feel like such a dick, but like, I mean, that was me being a, a 15, 16 year old. Um, the, the Vince pretty much. I was like, wrestling. fuck, oh, now I've got to change everything. <laughs> You're fine. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good times, man. Like uh, I had, Lots of fun, fun times doing backyard wrestling. What was your first uh, well, my first and only backyard wrestling gimmick was uh, so here, here's the story, right? So my name was James, and then surname was S Y N I T E, right? So Cy Knight was the way I pronounced it. 
But nice. the the mistake was I was an idiot and didn't understand how to use Google or Ask Jeeves or Alta Vista or whatever. And uh, I was trying to go <laughs> with the word cyanide, but I didn't know how to spell it. So that was that was my attempt at being James Cyanide. But it ended up it ended up being a cooler thing anyway. So like people people still remember that name. <laughs> although although uh, I do have some gear coming along that's going to be inspired by the original board shorts I used to wear as my my wrestling gear in the backyard. Oh, sick! Are they t- are they tight? They, they, yeah, uh, they'll be tights. Like I'm liking this whole trunk uh, tights and uh, massive cape or jacket thing. Yeah, I need to I need to come up with something new. I think I haven't done a jacket for a little while, so I need I'm searching for some inspo and. Normally, my inspo comes from Final Fantasy games, but I might go a different route. Well, you got some. Um, seems like you've inspired the bandana thing on the neck a little bit too highly now. People start. Looking yeah, at I guess uh, what number one is uh, the thing I get tw- uh, tweeted at is Jericho stealing my my thunder on that a little bit. I know you just need to get back in by having a massive. LED yeah, jacket. or just um, you know, do this podcast and rival his. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon. I reckon he You're got it because it. we we briefly met. Um, and had a brief conversation at Wrestle Kingdom in January, and he was he was a cool dude, man. Like yeah. he was um he was really cool because it was around the time that the fires were still really bad, and uh, like he, yeah. he he and I spoke about that for a little bit because he's got a friend who's in Wollongong, so um his friend John, who I know from the wrestling business as well, um got affected by it. So we we had a little bit of a conversation about that, but because we we're on the same we were on the same card. Because he was on uh, Wrestle Kingdom night, was he on night two or was he on night one? I can't remember. Yeah, that's what I, I thought as well. I think I think he was night two, but that was the card that I was on. So I feel like he uh, he saw me again with the the neckerchief and was like, "Hmm, no, that's that's right, that's right, Mister Jericho. I'll wait for my royalties in the mail, my friend. Thank you." Yeah, <laughs> he's getting some. Um... Get his one cent. Oh, well, but, I mean, something's better than nothing, right? We need, need to change it up now anyway. Like, now you got, um, you're kind of setting the bar and you set the bar. And what, wear like five bandanas? Why not? I remember I sent you that picture from like Melbourne Central. Yeah, yeah. Well, like, so the funny thing is when I won my first championship in wrestling, uh, it was a PWA show in Newcastle at the end of 2008. Um, I actually rocked. I rocked the head bandana, I rocked the neck bandana, I rocked an elbow pad bandana on my right arm, and I rocked I rocked a oh, left shit. knee bandana on my knee pad. Um, so I was rocking four. Um, but I think there's definitely a way that I could do five or six. <laughs> Just make, maybe you make like a jacket. Shit. I reckon that would look awful, but it would be awesome you, at the same time. Have you seen... Um... No, I haven't. Prey movie? No, no pun intended. She made like an entire jacket out of like oh really tape. Yeah, I might have to uh, use that as inspo. I'm actually just googling bandana jacket now, and it's just nothing good. There's nothing. There's nothing good good because all it is is just jackets with like the paisley print on it, but nothing that looks like it's made out of bandanas. Really, I don't know. There's 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 something there. But you can always look on ASOS and just do it yourself and just like wreck it. Yeah, I feel like if I did that. It would be completely ruined and then not useful at all. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a half denim, half bandana jacket that looks awful. <laughs> oh, you fit in perfectly in Japan. Ugh, yuck! I got to get off this page now. I remember, look, I remember walking through Shibuya. There was like some dude that, like, I thought two pieces of denim was enough. He, he had four pieces. 
Yeah, denim vest and a denim hat. Denim too, hat. That's a that's a bold statement. That's a Japanese thing. They they go. They don't yeah, yeah. I was just about to say that. Hey, like it's like oh well, double denim's a thing. Well, I'm gonna do quadruple denim. <laughs> I'm seeing double. I'm Eight seeing denims. denims. <laughs> it's a new gimmick. Is oh, denim I think Dan. There's, they, there's actually a guy. Um, shit. What's his name? Uh, there's a guy from Queensland. Ah, uh, I gotta find him. I think he's double denim Dan or something. You got this. Oh. <laughs> it's like, I think you be like your lucha. He, he wrestles guy. for the Australian Wrestling League now. It used to be AWA. I'm sure I can find him. But I, like, because all I can think of is his actual name, like his real, his real person name. But I can't think of his, yeah. like, his, his you Danger Dan. Uh, double denim Danger Dan. Yeah, it's quadruple. Four, double denim. Yeah. Is it four days? Double denim count. Danger Dan. Probably why I haven't done my taxes in three years. I found his page, yeah. Yeah, I've actually, um, you know, not, not had a hand in, like, training, training him, but, like, he's attended seminars that I've done and stuff, so. Yeah, sick. Do you remember when we were kids and, like, and NWA popped up on the radar? Like, they showed the first, um, first rendition. Oh, TNA, you mean? Like Fox 8. Is it Fox 8? NWA, yeah, sorry, TNA. Yeah, yeah TNA. Well, dude, that was my, that was my yeah. intro into indie wrestling because I, that was when we lost... SmackDown, because SmackDown was on Fox 8 and Raw was yeah. still on Fox Sports, I think. Well, Raw was live and then Fox 8 was some yeah. reason, like two yeah, weeks so... behind. And then, and then, then like NWA TNA was like a month behind. But Dude, I think, it was, it was I think it was longer than a month behind because that was when TNA was doing weekly Wednesday pay-per-views. And then we were getting it as like a one-hour time slot. But what we were getting is like, so every week we would get one-third of one episode. So we were like a year behind oh. because I think what we were seeing was 2002 and we were already in 2003 at that point. Yeah, because I remember seeing like the Flying Elvises and then went to the They, they don't like, exist anymore. Dude, Sonny Siaki, Jorge yeah. Estrada and Jimmy Yang. Yeah. Fuck, that was my jam, man. Because like, yes. yeah, the, the original Jimmy, Jimmy Yang. Yang. Not a Keo, yeah, not, not Jimmy Wang Yang. Dude, Jorge, uh, yeah, yeah. Jorge Estrada was sick too. Yeah. Like that's when I first got into like. Well, yeah, that's what I, that's what I was stuff. just gonna say. That he was he was my direct introduction because at the time and like for the longest time, Rey Mysterio was my favorite wrestler because that was my initial introduction to wrestling was yeah. WCW and the Cruiserweights, and I saw him and I was just all about him. So then when he popped on to SmackDown and stuff, yeah. I was like, yes, this is awesome. And then I saw TNA and I saw Amazing Red and I was like, he's doing Rey Mysterio stuff, but things that Rey Mysterio doesn't do. What the fuck? You know, through the internet, I found uh, more clips of him from other places. And then I was like, what's this place? ROH. And then I found Ring of Honor. And then it just sent me through a wormhole of like indie wrestling. And I started buying DVDs online and getting them shipped like from RF Video and Ring of Honor's website and stuff. And maybe 40 bucks a DVD or something like that. Like, yeah. cause like shipping to Australia, especially at that time, definitely wasn't cheap because I was one of very few people ordering the product from here. I always, I always liked the original like NWA TNA. Cause I always thought sort yeah. of like as an alternate universe type of thing. So I always thought of like, you know, K quick was now Ron killings and like, um, BG James and, um, I can't remember what Billy Gunn's name was, but they had like the whole VK wasn't uh was wasn't so um Billy Gunn Kip something? Yeah, that's what I kept thinking. Ah. Something. Yeah, that was so rad though. Like, and they had like the X division, like the original X division match. Like, 
with AJ Styles. No, AJ Styles wasn't even. No, around. he was. Yeah, AJ Styles was the first X Division champion, so he he was TNA through and through. Dude, the yeah, yeah, the I, I remember the first match that made me like really pop off about TNA was the their X Division title match, like the first ever one, and it was the four way with Psychosis, who I was like, this isn't Psychosis. Where's his mask? And then uh, Jerry yeah, Lynn, AJ yeah. Styles, and Low Key. Man, Low Key, fucking, yeah. I remember I'm literally typing flying so Elvises like... into my Google search now because they were fucking sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the, that type of stuff just didn't exist in WWE back then. I remember like they were competing with like um, Billy and Chuck, um, even though like, obviously like just mentioned him. Um, like three minute warning. Yeah, that's the type of stuff that was around. Back yeah, it's a very different. Time. It was very age. much the um, the peak of like just the huge jacked tall guys. Like I remember, I remember in two. It was yeah. either two thousand three or two thousand four, was when there was like a Survivor Series, and like one of the teams was like Nathan Jones, Matt Morgan, Big Show. It was like terrible yeah, because yeah. like I mean at the time I was a fan, so I was kind of into it, but. Um, looking back at it, I was like, oh, it was just five huge jack dudes that had like, you know, most of them would have had very little gas tank and very little go um, against, you know, probably yeah. the other team would be like Kurt Angle and others that are working really hard kind of thing. Someone was shocked the other day when I told him I used to watch WCW over WWF because of like, and I told him because of the Japanese guys. Yeah. I mean, I, I converted once because I started on WCW and then once I was introduced to WWF, I was like, all in on WWF, but I'd still watch both as long as they were on TV. But then when, uh, cause, yeah. cause we had the, we didn't have TNT, right? We had something that was an affiliate of TNT or it was like TNT classics or something. And, and that's what Nitro would be played on. Yeah. Um, on the old Foxtel. Yeah. Cause, cause you could only watch, um, like, Nitro yeah, I remember it was like super late. So I'd used to, and then go to bed and watch it the next day kind of thing. But, yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, I would still watch both. But then, but then Nitro disappeared, and then we only had um, you know Raw and Fox Fox Sports, and then SmackDown and Fox Eight. Um, so yeah. when that happened, then I just became purely WWF. And occasionally, I'd go to the Video Easy, and they'd have like a WCW pay per view on tape. But I was so lost on like what was happening storyline wise. I'd be like, "What the fuck is New Blood?" Yeah, but like you, um, you'd even watch like the old WCW stuff, and it has like some classic new japan um wrestlers as well like had jushin and it had i think i swear it had like well yeah definitely had like well. ultimo muda would muda. appear well you gotta remember that like uh a lot of the guys there was a lot of guys from new japan that were in the nwo as well yeah. well because like the faction actually yeah. you know the idea of it started in japan so um yeah like muda yeah 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 if you go back really? like the whole idea of the nwo was taken from the concept of factions in New Japan. So uh, there was already something like the NWO in New Japan, and Eric Bischoff saw that through the WCW talent um, going over to New Japan and competing over there on tours. So then he just started it himself. Yeah. So at, at like the peak of NWO, there was at least three or four New Japan roster members a part of it, like Chono, Muda. Um, there was one or two others that were definitely in it. Um, oh man, it's piqued my interest now. That's what that's something I love about New Japan, though, is the fact that there's factions. Like the entire thing is run by like a well, faction. yeah, that's that's what it makes it easy. Great stories Here we go. Uh, NWO Japan. I'm just looking it up. So Great Muda. Um, I'm trying to think. 
Uh, Tenzan was a part of it. Chono was a part of it. Kojima was a part of it. And then you had like the other people that were in NWO Japan was Scott Norton. Um, NWO Sting. Sting. Sting so not it? not the uh, not real Sting, the fake yeah. Sting. Yeah. Oh wait, the fake Sting was in it. NWO Sting. So that was oh, um, okay. Jeff Farmer. He was this dude that like they brought in as like the fake Sting one time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like super huge, like just super bloated. This is like a mad list of Japanese NWO. I don't think I've ever delved deep into it, but I remember just watching it and like even playing the games on. 64. Yeah, dude, those games were sick because, and that's that's where I grew my fondness for Ultimo Dragon because I think before I had really seen yeah. him on any 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 WCW shows, I was playing as him constantly when I'd go to my friend's house and play No Mercy. Uh, not No Mercy, but um, WCW NWO Revenge. Because I just I'd, yeah, yeah, I'd go yeah. to the character select and I'd see him and I'd be like he is the sickest looking character I'm definitely playing as this guy yeah because of the masks and stuff yeah but like that was that was even something I tried to get across to um one of my best friends who I took to a PWA show it was like um, Jushin's last Australian match and um I, t- I took him there and he's like oh man I remember this guy yeah you're probably like, from the games and stuff at least right and um yeah he's like he looks so familiar but I can't place it and I was like yeah 64 like when you're a kid um. But like, man, that's still crazy. The fact that he's got he's like retired this year and what now is yeah. WWE I mean, that's interesting. But and your first it's, match, it's pretty him. wild, like, dude. Um, he's he's a great guy too. I'm really uh, happy that I've been able to work with him before he hung up the boots, and then you know to have my debut in New Japan against him, and then to be a part of that match, which was his final match outside of New Japan. Um, and it was in Australia, and it was his yeah. first time in Australia in over like t- almost twenty years or something. It was something really crazy. Like I think the last time he was yeah. in Australia was like nineteen ninety three or ninety six, and he wrestled Chris Benoit. Oh shit! Didn't you didn't you tell me he called that audible from the apron? No, 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 no. That wasn't an audible. That was the, that was all the genius of oh. of me and Jushin Liger. There you go. I hear I'm nah, I was like, hundred percent. No I was like, I knew I knew what the fans wanted to see. Yeah. I want to see some active, as active, active as you could get, up. I guess. Yeah, I wanted to see so hard like a full payoff with that. Yeah, I stuff, mean, though. but there's like, it, I guess it's nice because it's like a super rarity thing where he transforms. Yeah, because like just a one-off. Because he did it, and, and then and like no he brought back Battle Liger for the match with Minoru Suzuki, so you kind of got like all the different shades in that program. No, I love that stuff, man. What was it like with with working with him though? Was it like? Oh, uh, he speaks he speaks fine English, stuff, so like yeah, it's not a problem. I think he's uh he's been around so many different people from so many different places that like yeah, his dialect's really good in terms of pro wrestling because res- wrestling's kind of yeah. like its own dictionary. So um, even if we all speak different, yeah. you know, uh, national dialects uh, when we come together for the wrestling side of things, it becomes kind of just like fluent. But there's no way you can explain it. No, like no. It's, I, but I guess it would be the same with any sort of industry. Like if you speak different languages, but you work in the same industry, you're going to have common terms and familiarities or things that you can kind of act out and people understand. And I, I guess that's that's what it is in yeah. wrestling. Is there someone you like working with the most? Hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to think who I've had lots of repeat. Like, like who was just, I guess, you can just have a great match with, with no... Uh, no yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm Obviously, just trying to think. You know I mean? Like, Yeah, me as well. Spray, it's always yeah, pretty easy. Um, still difficult, but easy. Uh, shit, I'm just trying to think. Hey, that's a, I haven't really thought about that. I mean, 
it it took a little while, but I feel like me and Bushi kind of click now. Um, so like yeah. sometimes it takes a few goes around. Like it was the same with me and Adam Brooks when we first started kind of working with each other. Yeah. It was more sporadic and on and off over like the first couple of years, and like I would always feel like man that didn't really like click as well as it should have. Like it didn't it it didn't feel easy. Um, as you can see, there should be chemistry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it wasn't until we had his final match in MCW before he moved to England at the end of 2017. Uh, I got to the building real late because my flight was delayed. So I got there like just before doors opened. And uh, we, I think we were on second last. So we nice. had time. But we wanted to put together like a really good match. Um, and that one was like, okay, this is starting to... It's not it's not a difficult process anymore. And then from there, when he came back to Australia from his his time in the UK, um, we kind of just like understood each other a little bit better, and kind of just like we'd throw shit at the wall and see what stuck, and that would that would that would be our match, and then it would actually <laughs> be good. So um, yeah, I think we're on that level now. Like we really get each other and understand each other. So it's kind of like that sometimes. Like you can look at someone like me and Will, and it was kind of easy from the get go. But then, like other people, it kind of takes a few goes to kind of like understand each other and know what works, what doesn't, and then you kind of hit the hit the ground running. And I think that was me and Bushi in New Japan. I think legitimately to this day, I think that that match between you and Will, the one where he handed you the flag, that is oh, still well, the thank you. I, I've watched I watched a few of those oh, back yeah. recently in this downtime just to see if they still look the same as they felt because, you know, like as time passes, things change. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely yeah. really proud of that match having it in PWA. Uh, I think my favorite match we've ever had was the match we had in best of the super juniors last year. Yeah. Um, watching that back. That's one of my yeah. most fond matches. Like obviously the first one ever in 2017, when he first came to PWA, was like groundbreaking, but um, the one in Super Juniors, and it's funny because like the last two, which were arguably the most important, because it was the one in Super Juniors and the follow up was the one in Melbourne for um, Southern Showdown. Yeah. Uh, I was hurt for both of those because yeah. Super Juniors, Super Juniors was like a few days after I had my head yeah. split open by Doki at Corican Hall, so I had fresh fresh stitches that were only like a day in. Um, and then I was like, fuck, I was freaking out about having stitches in the top of my head and having to have this hard match with Will. Uh, and then Southern Showdown, I had a, a, yeah. a partially torn MCL. So, right, yeah. And you, I well, you yeah, like I mean, I, really I saw the physio. Uh, I saw my regular physio two times that week. And then when I flew to Melbourne uh, the morning of Southern Showdown on the Saturday, I went to um a friend of mine who's a physio in melbourne that's looked after me at like world series events and stuff like that i went to his his uh one of his studios and he looked after me and i was doing better and i had bought a brace for it as soon as i knew that it was torn and stuff like so i tore it the saturday before a week before the match um wrestling marty skirl and then uh had the brace basically by either monday or tuesday because christine bought it for me and uh yeah, I just remember like yeah. flying to Sydney for World Series wrestling on the Sunday and just not being able to walk, like coming out from the hotel, struggling to get on the bus, getting off the bus, getting onto the plane. I was just in agony. 
Um, and then like going home from the airport and meeting everyone at the venue later, I was still in my head. I was like, um, if I do a tag match or if I do something else, that's a little less risky. Maybe I'll be able to get through it. But like, I couldn't even get in the ring, man. Like it was, it was terrible. Um, how did it affect your match then? Well, so I got pulled from that show that we flew into the Sunday show at Penrith. Um, there was a lot of disappointed people because there was no announcement of why I wasn't on the show. Um, it was just better that way. Uh, yep. We just thought, don't bring attention to it. Let's just, you know, keep it under wraps. Because I didn't know how severe it was at that point. I thought it could have just been a thing for that day. And then the next day I could have been better. Yep. Um, but it wasn't until I saw the physio on Monday where they were like, yeah, yeah. look, it's definitely a, a partial tear um, without scans. We don't know how bad. Um, so that whole week yep. I was stressing because obviously the match with Will for the, the IWGP Junior Championship in Melbourne was the headline match, you know, like everyone was coming to see that and support me. So I was like pissed off that I wasn't going to be hundred percent. It's definitely something I'm proud of and I'm, I'm very happy for that match, but my, my gas tank kind of went because towards the end of the match, um, I had wrapped my knee so tight, uh, to try and stabilize it that I, I must've wrapped it too tight and kind of cut circulation off. Cause I remember getting to like the later stages of the match and I just couldn't put any like real weight on my left leg. Um, so I just had no, I had no spring uh, and yeah. that kind of affected me. So like if I could go back and do that match again now, hundred percent because my body feels way better now and I've rehabbed the shit out of my knee. Yeah. Um, so it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people look back at that match and they, they say that that's one of their favorite or best matches they've seen live. So if people are saying that, then I'm happy because ultimately my performance is for them, not for me. There was some great payoff that with that though, because, um, even the storyline just coming to like a close and like new chapters and stuff like that's something that new Japan does really, really well. It's like, full yeah, they have engulfing stories. That, I think, I think new Japan is was like probably really the best at, um, you know, long-term stories building to a climax or even just like consistently being there in the background. Um, That's something that I've always appreciated. Like uh, another Mm. place that does that really well is uh, Chikara Pro in the US. Uh, Especially like the, like say from 2007 to like 2013, that period of time um, when I was like really into watching Chikara on like a regular basis, man, they were really good with their storytelling because it was very comic book-esque and that's how that company's always run. Um, but both them and New Japan do the long-term stories, which I think for the fans, especially the ones that are there from the start to the finish, uh, it, it's like such a great appreciation yeah. and then the payoff is like so much better. But do you remember the, the ants? Was the... Um... Yeah, the yeah, Colleen, I wrestled I wrestled Green Ant when I went Chicago, to Chicago in 2011, so I know them well. I think that was that was one of the first things I saw in wrestling as like Chicago's great, man. Like, like um so even now like uh you know, you've got an Australian holding the Young Lions Cup in Ricky South. So it's pretty cool that we have the connection with uh with yeah. Chikara and with Mike Quackenbush that we have, but um chikara has been great for for ages, dude. Like, yeah, yep. Yeah. I mean, we've we've constantly there, had a link with them since, you know, 2008 when uh when Madison first went over there. So, since then we've had a pretty strong relationship with them. Yeah, I mean, like what who who just went over now? Um Yeah, Mick's been there, the Nations have been there, the Velocities were there recently, like they were all in King of Trios. Ricky was the most recent, he went for the Young Lions Cup uh yeah. for his second time because he went last year and then he went again this year. 
was it this year or was it last year? Yeah. I can't remember, but he's been twice. Um, yeah, so Ricky's been there. Shaz has been there. You know, Bonds has actually wrestled uh, Johnny Gargano in a four-way tag match in like his one match that he had at Chikara Pro. Um, yeah, it's like, it's really wild. Oh, hey, damn. like, That's uh, one for books. Uh, shit, who else is, there's, there's been a ton of guys that have been there. Because it's like, it's not the, it's not now we conquer anymore. It's like, no, you'll notice us, then now we'll conquer. Yeah, I mean, the like, the motto is still there. Um, we started with, you're going to notice us, because it was about getting the attention onto us. Yeah. And then once we had that attention buzzing and going, then it was, you know, Moretti decided, okay, I think it's phase two now, and phase two is now we conquer. I, I think we, we are subtly conquering. Um, I don't think I don't think we're on to the I next so. phase just yet. Um, I think it's still going to take one big moment, uh, which could happen, you know, fingers crossed this year if things start up again post-coronavirus. But, uh, you know, it, it's either going to happen sooner <laughs> or later. And once that one thing happens and people go, oh, holy shit, Australia, um, that's when we'll move on from now we conquer to we have conquered or whatever phase three is going to be. I think, I think it's definitely this year. Cause there's like, there's Aussies in every department. There's like um, Bronson and Vink in NXT and Shane Thorne and Indy. And then you got like Buddy and or Murphy in um, WWE. Um, you're in obviously in new Japan. Um, all the boys. Going to, well, yeah, that, going to it would have been a really big time uh this coming week because, you know, uh, Jude would have joined Paris and had his debut for PWG in a tag match. Um, Moretti was going to be there again after having yeah. some really good matches there as well as Ugg. Uh, Ugg was going to be in like a hospital four-way with like, I think it was like Brody King and Jeff Cobb and someone else. Like it was going to be huge. Um, and I think okay. Bonzo was going to get some opportunities too. I know Warburg was going to be around for Mania Week too. So like, who knows what he would have got? And Shaz was killing it with what she had lined up. So because last year, we there was a lot of us around, but we didn't really all get to shine in the opportunities. But the other thing too that's like leading up to it, it seems like a big deal. But then sometimes what happens at these Mania Week shows, they're they're so packed with so many matches or so many uh, people. And because it's like the same venue will host a show at, you know, starting at one o'clock and then the next show starts at four. If anything runs over time, then match times get cut. So a lot of the matches I had the last Mania week that I did, um, you know, my matches weren't really going over 10 minutes. They were usually under. So you, you don't always get that big time opportunity Shit. or what it feels like it's going to be leading up to it. Um, it doesn't always work out that way. So I, I, I still think there's something outside of mania week and something that's really going to take the world by notice. That's going to go, Hey, the, these Australian people are fucking killing it. And it's time that we all jump on the bandwagon and really, you know, get onto the fandom side now before it's too late. I can, I can, you'll definitely help with that. I can just see, like, it's, just, it's only a matter of time before you win, like, the tag well, belts or you win here's the, the hoping, the but at the moment, I'm not in the best shape because of all this lack of gyms and stuff like that. So I prob- probably need to pull my head in a little bit. <laughs> I live in a glass house. I live in a cage, man. I'm a bird. That's even better. Oh, shit. I'm scared. You've seen the elimination chamber. You've seen the shit yeah. they do. You can do pull ups on the top. No. All right, man. I reckon we'll leave it there. Do a bit of a card workout or something. But um, yeah. I'll record it for you. Oh yeah, you need to show me one of the, how to do one of those. Yeah, sure. Webcam. All right, brother. Thanks so much. Um, Peace out. Uh-